Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Again, in Genesis 25 and 22, but the children struggled within Rebekah, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So we talked about on Sunday, she went to the right place and asked of the right person, hence she got the right answer. So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. When scriptures refer to these individuals, Esau and Jacob, actually we find that God's typically, almost never does he after Genesis, refer specifically to these two men as much as to the two nations that were represented. Romans 9 and 13 is a quandary for some folk, but a lot of it's because they don't really understand the Bible. Let's read it. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I've hated. Now God could not have hated Esau personally. Why? Because we read the Bible. And we look at this, we we have to know that God is referring to his descendants and not to the man in specific or in particular. Genesis 27 and 38 makes it more clear. And Esau said to his father Isaac, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said, no, no, that's not what happened here. He responded and he said to him, behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. We see here that God blessed both boys, both Esau and Jacob were blessed through Isaac. And we know that God only blesses those he loves. How many believe that's true? Then he goes on and says some more things to Esau here. He says, by your sword, you shall live. And he's speaking prophetically, and he was saying that Esau would become a a chieftain, uh, but of a warlike tribe. But he said, you will serve your brother. Esau was blessed, but it was just that Jacob received the blessing. And many of us settle for a blessing instead of the blessing. And we live way beneath what God has called us to or purposed for in our lives. And he said, and it shall come to pass when you become restless. We see here quickly that God blessed both sons, both boys. One had the blessing, the other had a blessing. So in spite of the fact Esau did not have Jacob's blessing, he still had something to hold on to. But he said, when you become restless, the descendants of Esau were actually the Edomites. That's, that's, that's the name of the tribe as time progressed. And we find that when the Israelites journeyed out of Egypt, that the Edomites did not permit them to go through their territory or their nation. And because of that, God punished them. And, and actually, they, they wanted to attack the Israelites. And, and because of it, they became slaves to their cousins. And Scripture says, when you become restless, after you serve your time for the deeds you've done wrong, 
You shall break his yoke, speaking of Israel's yoke, from your neck. And this happened in the time of King Joram. Uh, King, you know, Kings 8 and 20, if you want to read that in your own. And the Edomites, they revolted against them, and they got free, and wonderful things began to happen. But the problem was, they went back to their old way and continued to support those that were supporting, or sorry, fighting against the Israelites. A little history before we get into the things we need to focus on tonight. Verse 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing. We're going to find that some people will hate you because of the blessing that God's about to re release into your life. I'm going to tell you tonight, even before I keep going, more than a teaching, I have an announcement to make this evening. And I believe that there's some things that are going to shift by the time we're finished tonight. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father blessed him with. Who hated whom first here? Esau actually hated who? Jacob first. And this hatred is passed down from generation to generation. And keep going. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. You have to be very careful, very, very careful about planning to harm anyone who God's hand is upon. You be very careful about, even if you think that person deserves it. If God's hand is on them, you got to be very, very cautious. Jacob was not perfect, but nonetheless, he was God's sovereign and chosen instrument. Genesis 27 and 29. Keep bearing with me. God blessed Jacob and he said this. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. What scripture was saying was anyone who tried to harm Jacob or Israel would come under a divine curse. And if you know the Bible, you'll actually find that the word curse and hate are used interchangeably throughout the scripture. Hate means curse and curse means hate. One of them means the other. And, and you just intermingle them throughout scripture. Let's go back to Romans 9 and 13 and we'll begin to get to our place of emphasis. But let's read it with understanding. As it is written, Jacob, I have loved, but Esau, I have hated or I have what? Curse. Esau's descendants were under a curse because like their great grandfather, they resisted the sovereign choice of Jacob in the earth. And as I said, as we propose this this year, there are going to be folks in our lives that are going to naysay, people that are going to criticize because you don't deserve what God's about to do in your life. But here's some advice for you in 2014. Do not argue with them. Matter of fact, agree with them. You're right. I don't deserve it. You know what? If it hadn't been on the Lord or for the Lord on my side, if it hadn't been for his mercy and for his grace, you know what? I don't deserve it. Favor ain't fair. If favor was deserved, it wouldn't be favor. It would be payment. So when people start criticizing you and, and all, you don't deserve it, just agree with them quickly. Say you're right. Don't get upset. Don't get offended. Don't start arguing, twisting your neck. The scripture says, agree with your adversary quickly in the way. Let's keep reading. Genesis 25 and 23. 
Back to the boys, and then we're going to quickly wrap up. And the Lord said to the two boys' mother, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. Not just two boys, but two peoples. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Now, if you're a student of Scripture and and you look at the leadership qualities in both of these children, Esau and Jacob, it would seem that God picked the wrong kid. He got, God somehow made a mistake, but God didn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at something deeper. He looks at the heart. Genesis 25 and 27, keep going. Scripture says, so the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter. He was a man who loved challenge, wild and and adventurous, athletic, and expert at at what he did. Scripture said he was a man of the field. So he was the consummate outdoorsman, a man of the open country, a man's man in every respect. You ever see that Das Equest commercial where, you know, it's the guy that every man wants to be? That was who Esau was. He was probably fun to be around. He probably had a whole bunch of stories to tell. He he was an exciting guy. He's the guy that you would really expect to become the leader of the pack. On the other hand, Scripture says, but Jacob was a mild man. He was a thoughtful, even-tempered, quiet type of guy. He was a little shifty. We covered that on, on Sunday. But he gave his parents no worries. He said he was a mild man dwelling in tents. Jacob was a guy that stayed home, calm, domestic, very average type of fellow. Verse 28, and Isaac loved Esau. The father was magnetized by the adventure of his oldest boy. It it kind of created a special bond between them. And he ate of his game. It seems that dad would get tired of the food on the farm and Esau helped satisfy, you know, his appetite for new and wild, you know, type things. But Rebecca, on the other hand, and this, this family's, you know, a lesson in dysfunction. But Rebecca loved Jacob. She was more attached to the shepherd boy, the child that spent most of his time around her and around the camp. Based on the birth order here, the personality traits, Everyone would assume that Esau would be the guy. This would be, you know, the guy that, that would somehow land on top. You know, you know, that Jacob guy, a little too quiet, a little suspect, a little snaky, a little creepy. And I'm not so sure about that, Jacob. But Esau, he has to be the man. Mark 10 and 31. When Jesus was crucified, the crowd said, give us Barabbas. Crucified Jesus. The crowd almost always gets it wrong. On the surface, Barabbas seemed to be the guy because actually scripture says he led a revolt. When we look at things based on the world's pattern, you will always get it wrong. Let's listen to Jesus in Mark 10 and 31. The master has a penchant 
for totally changing and upsetting our ideas about how things ought to be. He said this, and this is our word over 2014. But many, not all, not every, but many who are first. The context here is the encounter Jesus had with that rich young ruler. The rich young ruler was the guy with everything. He had respect, he had recognition, reputation, massive resources. Even time was on his side, he was a young guy. Jesus responding to the guy that you would think would be the type of guy that the master would want to be one of his disciples. He said this, but many who, according to the world's way of looking at things, are first, will actually be last. There are many in this room tonight. You're not the most athletic. You're not the most adventurous. You're not the most winsome. Maybe you're not the prettiest. You're not the tallest. Maybe like Jacob, you have some moral issues. Maybe like Jacob, you have some weaknesses. Maybe like Jacob, you're the guy that everybody would rule out. But tonight, I need you to listen to the master. Jesus said, but many who are first will be last. Tonight, the issue is not whether or not you graduated first in your class. All God needs you to be is the first you. But many who are first will be last. Maybe you're like me. You spent most of your life, it seems like at the end of the line. And you know, everybody seems to get it before you do. You know, blessings are being handed out. It's like they run out when they get to your number. You know, you know, number one, number two, number three, you know, all the way up. But right when you get to the counter, all of a sudden the person goes on break or they're out of goods or the lights go off. Something happens. <laughs> and it seems like you spend your whole life at the end of the line. You spend your whole life waiting for your chance, your opportunity. You're trying to be faithful. You're trying to do the right thing. You're standing in your space doing what folks ought to do. But every time when it comes your turn, something seems to happen. And it happens time after time, situation after situation, event after event, and you just seem to be waiting. God, when's my time going to come? Everybody else seemed to be blessed. God, what about me? Jesus has a way, though, of totally upsetting the car. And I know many times I thought, my, this, this got to be my time. This got to be my time. 29, you know, by the time I get to 30, this going to be my year. The same as 29. 33, this is going to be my year. 
had more problems than 31. 35, this is going to be my year. Lord, I've been faithful. I've been doing the right thing. Lord, I, I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. This got to be my year. And I feel like you're just going around the circle. Then you grain looking in the mirror and there's more grace showing up. Then you look up and there seems to be more life behind you than in front of you. You say, Lord, when my, when, when my time going to come? Lord, I, 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 you know, I'm not cutting in line. I'm not trying to push nobody out of line. I'm, I'm waiting patiently in line for that which you promised me. But the sun keeps rising and setting and moving around the sun, but my life doesn't seem to be changing. I have a word for you. If that happens to be your situation. Jesus said, but many who are first. I remember when my buddies graduated college and they had a party. And I went to the party, but I didn't graduate with them. This Jesus thing happened in my life. And I hadn't quite got a handle on it and I couldn't figure it out. And I remember the guys that I came into school with and we hung out together, we lived together, we drank together, slept together. You know, you know how I mean that. <laughs> 2014, you got to make things clear. <laughs> we lived in the same house, okay? But these were my boys. These were my partners. I remember watching them go on. One became a lawyer. The other became a principal. The other went on and did some good things in business. And, and the other actually went to work for Playboy. And um, uh, we'll stop right there. <laughs> but I remember leaving. It was one of the most lonely feelings that I can remember as a young man. Like, Lord, I, I left all to follow you. And all I did was make a mess of things. Everybody else is moving on with their life. What am I doing? Go home and read my Bible? And for years, that was kind of my story. I get in position just to graduate. And someone knocked the legs underneath and I get pushed back. I start a relationship and then something will happen like Start a church, but it shut down. I start a business, but then something will happen. And it's just year after year, constant, constant, constant. But I remember, and by the way, I was just, I was going to say real long. I, I got a fifth after that evening. I, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> just trying to keep it real. Back then, Mothers Against Drunk Driving didn't really, hadn't really set in the nation yet quite yet. I remember driving my car with my fist between me and the, well, it was actually it was the passenger, you know, I was, I was driving with company. 
And I remember I got by myself and I started crying. And when you drink it, man, you crying gets good to you. I started talking to myself, talking to the car, talking to the people looking at me through my windshield. And you think that God just kind of left me to myself. But I remember in my almost drunken state, the Lord said to me, son, the race is not to the swift. But to him who endures to the end. Sober me right up. Threw the bottle out the window. I know I should have put it in the trash, but I'm telling you the true story. (laughs) (laughs) But but you would have thought that would have settled it, but that became the story of my life. I get right to the edge. Something would push me back. My wife and I, we'd almost make that breakthrough in our relationship, but then something would happen. I'd pay off one bill, but then another pop up. It's just a constant cycle. At times I felt like I'm sure you felt totally abandoned. God, where are you? Said you love me, you're for me. What's all this? But I think Jesus, when he spoke these words, he looked over time. He saw me and he saw you. And he also saw 2014. <laughs> He made this statement. But many who are first will be last. I have an announcement tonight. God is saying to this house, those of us who have patiently been in the background, those of us who have patiently stood at the end of the line waiting for our turn, Those of us who have been in the background and about to move to the foreground, there's about to be a shift. There's about to be a change. Not that you're going to do it, but God was watching every time you got to the counter and didn't get that thing that you wanted. God watched when I missed my graduation. God watched when I walked away from this girl, that girl. God watched when I walked away from this friend, that friend. God watched when I walked away from my career. God watched and he looked over every detail. And see, God is good. He got a book, the Bible says. And he takes records. And he says, son, what you do in 1991, I done wrote it down. Derek, what you did in 1995, I got a record. Son, what you did in 2001, I was paying attention. I know it didn't seem like it. And when 2007 rolled around and you were still keeping on, keeping on, I wrote that down in the book just as well. 2013 came around, seemed like you were close, but son, you weren't quite there. Let me tell you something about the rain. Rain is a funny thing. Rain doesn't come out of the sky as you suppose. Do you know what? Clouds come from the evaporation from the earth. In our life, the Bible said the word of God shall not return unto him void. And that's the scripture speaks to it, that, 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 that his word is like the water coming down from heaven. And as we worship 
And as we honor him and in the midst, sometimes we, you know, there's, there's tears. Sometimes it's the tears that float back up to heaven and they get evaporated. And you just think you're crying. You, you just think you're upset. But, but what God's doing is he's filling up a bowl in heaven. And, and, and it's only when that bowl is full that he tips it off. You see, what happens with clouds is this. When there's enough evaporation from the oceans and the rivers and the clouds are full, only when they're full do they return back to earth. I don't know if you heard me. Say, he who sows in tears shall reap in joy. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.